That's on. We're recording on that one. So you can see that screen, right? So yeah, that's right. All right. Oops. And this one. Three cameras. Yeah, that's three fucking cameras. Ready? Let me say. Yeah, we're on, and uh, I put it on cinematic mode. It didn't seem to make any difference in the picture size or the angle or the width. No. But okay, what's our clock time? Uh, 20 of, 20, 20 of, 20 of. You ready, pal? Yeah. Okay. Five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome back, friends. Welcome to the Jersey Alchemist. And I'm your host, Dr. John Gerard Gallucci. And I'm Philip D'Angelo. Nice to see you, pal. And today... Today. Are you really going to just jump right into this? Go ahead, do it. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. Everybody notices he's right there. He's right there. Go ahead, right. spill the beans. Bones, Bones is with us. Bones is with us. He, he was, he was tired of being in the background. Now he's in the foreground, so to speak. And um, Johnny's called a malcontent, never happy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is true, Phil, you're right. I mean, you know, we brought him on as a, quite frankly, as a charity case. And then what does he do? He turns around and he calls HR on us. Of all the things, all right, all right, all right, all right, okay, all right. Enough about him. Yeah, enough. How you doing today? I'm good. It's Friday. It's Friday in New Jersey. Yeah. It's a sunny Friday in New Jersey. Sunny Friday in Jersey. So I have a small, uh, real quick Jersey story. Love it. If you want to hear it. Sure. So I drive all day long. All right. For my business, I drive turnpike, small towns. I see farms. I see cities, suburbia, urban life. I see it all. So I'm on the parkway, the Garden State Parkway, paying, I think it's $2 a toll now to get through. Are you serious? $2 a toll. Yeah. $1.90 or $2. $2 a toll because of COVID. COVID, yeah, right. COVID helped us. So I stopped into a gas station to pay my $4.59 on the Garden State Parkway right. gas. And I walk inside to get a, a bottled water. And uh, a young, I hold the door for a young kid, maybe in his 30s. At my age, everybody's young. And as he's walking in, he goes, sir, could you help me? So I go, can I help you? What's up? In my friendly Jersey attitude, what's up? Uh, listen, my car doesn't work. I'm like, your car doesn't work? Yeah, he goes, and I, I don't have enough money for gas. And I said, wait a minute. Now, this is the gas station I stop in all the time. It's my halfway point to get where I'm going. I said, wait a minute. True story. I said, this is the third time somebody's asked me for gas. I said, one was a guy. Another time, like two months later, was a, a girl, all in their 30s. And I said, and now you? I said, what is it with this gas station? I said, matter of fact... I think you were the guy the first time that asked me for gas. So with that, he turned around and he started heading out the door. And I was just oh like, and God. don't come back. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, you know, he pulled on my heartstring the first time. I paid for like $10 so he can get home. That's what his well, story Well, you know was. who that, that character, you know who he is. Who? Remember the old characters? The guy comes up with the worn overcoat and the, hey, and pal, the hat. Hey, pal, can you spare a dime? Yeah, well, I'm a sucker. So I gave it to him the first time. Some girls, probably his girlfriend, the second time, $10 worth of gas. And now this guy tried to hit me up a third time. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was, it was not good. That's that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was really upset, and I think he saw that, and that's why he started walking. Like, are you kidding me? I said it was you the first time. Wow. All right. So, but you know, this is the Jersey Alchemist. Yes. Right, and we're supposed to turn uh, dark to light. Fear to lead, love. Lead to gold, dark to light, fear to love, and shit to diamonds. Mm-hmm. I tried. So John. now, what do we do? I twice turned. His fear and that girl's fear to love, but this time there was no turning it on. Right. Yeah. So. Right. So then I guess that you know, that brings up that whole issue over. You know, what if this guy's been really, really out there trying honestly. You know, looking for a job, even even uh, bussing tables at a restaurant, washing dishes. You know, the old you know the old standard, so to speak, the old cliche. Jobs, is it that, or is he sitting on his ass, spending money needlessly, and yeah. he's not looking for a job, and, and maybe three or four times a week he catches a sucker hmm. at where? The Wawa? The Quick uh, Check? It was a gas station. It was a gas yeah, station. A name gas station on the parkway. And me, I was that big lollipop driving, walking in, sucker, across my forehead, and I'm not doing it again. Right. Fool me once, fool me twice. But you pulled in with your Bentley today, right? Uh, no, that was the Mercedes today. The Bentley, yeah. As my driver opened the door for me to get out. Yeah, yeah. yeah well. You when know, my car can barely make it in the gas station. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. After all these years of, of, uh, of relative prosperity in the United States, and I think the, the go-go years in the United States, I think, were the 50s and the 60s. Because we came out of World War II, the the victors, the superpower, yeah. you know, the, the, the U.S. dollar was the world currency reserve. Richard Nixon, well, you know, FDR took us off the gold standard. Oof. Was in that 19, a mistake? 19, well, it wasn't a mistake for him and his his, his globalist friends, yeah. but that was 1933 or 1934. And then Nixon, you know, it's tag your it. It's the Democrats and the Republicans, and they keep us all off balance. And meanwhile, both sides are screwing us from which end, right? From either end. So, yeah, and Nixon took us off the, uh, put us on the, created the petrodollar in 72. And then everything that happened in the world really, you know, evolved around petrochemical companies. And, and that's, that's not good. That's not good for the planet. And it's not good for humanity. It's only good for these scumbags that are just lining their pockets. That's it. Control and money, money and control. I mean, is this country following the ways of other countries, John, where it's either that it's just between the haves and the have-nots? I mean, our middle class is shrinking more and more every couple of years. I mean, what I make now for a living as a kid, I thought I'd be, you know, I'd be okay. I'd be be comfortable. Right. But it's not the case. I mean, no. it's literally, you know, you make, you work hard. I don't know anything less than a 12-hour day. I know right. your career, 16, 24-hour days. Oh, yeah. I mean, but it just seems like that's never, ever enough. No. It, it Well, I think, you know, it's always just out of reach, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Chase the carrot. You know, it, it reminds me, I refuse to watch The Hunger Games mm. because... 
All I had to do was watch a trailer on it, and I said, it's these son of a bitches, it's the New World Order people. When New World Order wasn't the term being tossed around on social media or, or mainstream media. And, uh, and I said, oh, this is them forecasting to the people, to the stupid, unwashed, useless eaters that we are. They're forecasting what the future holds for them at, um, at their say-so. And apparently the way it goes is if they tell us what they're about to do, then they think they alleviate themselves from the karma behind what they've done. And I think, thank God for us, they're sadly mistaken. A perpetrator is a perpetrator is a perpetrator. And um, The Hunger Games, if you haven't seen it, because I watched bits and pieces years after it came out in the theaters, was all about where they think they want humanity to go. And they're going to be pulling everybody's strings from, from their AI ivory towers. And the rest of us are going to be scrapping and fighting each other to the death for for something to eat? I don't think so. I don't think so. Remember, folks, you create your reality. And the more they pump fear and their globalist shit into our, into our heads via the mainstream media, via Hollywood, the music industry, you know, television, all of that crap, the more they cake us in negativity, doubt, and fear, the more it becomes what's coming from our own consciousness, and then all they have to do is sit back. And they've got us because we're creating the world that they want us to create. You see, that's part of being the Jersey alchemist. We're onto these son of a bitches, and we just aren't going to let that happen, are we? Well said, John, as usual. I don't know. I don't like the breath. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how our country, the United States of America, how we can send billions of dollars, millions of dollars to almost every country in the world. And we still have homeless in our streets. Uh, we, we, we don't have enough money for uh, Social Security is going to run out. I mean, I don't understand. How is that possible? I mean, you know, well, we social, obviously have money. Social Security is going to run out because these son of a bitches have been pilfering it for years. Social Security, yeah. And, you know, while everybody's clamoring over who's going to win the Super Bowl or, or, or stupid me, has nothing to do with who's going to win the Super Bowl. It's who's whose dress is going to malfunction, who's going to bear their breast during the Super Bowl. It's all, it's all Luciferian, satanic bullshit. When are you all going to wise up? It's all a distraction. It's a distraction while they're basically robbing us blind. And you think, well, you know, if you just dumbed this whole shit show down to a, a playground, a schoolyard, they're the bullies, and then there are the people who can't help themselves, who are generally the uh, the subjects of the bullies, and then there are others who were keenly watching the whole thing play itself out. I was of that category, and then, you know, when it had to happen, I would jump in, you know, wrestling match, fist fight, and I was called in grammar school, oh, here he comes, the fight stopper. What well, was a fight stopper? Because what I was stopping was never a fight, it was a bully sledgehammering 
somebody who had no ability to defend themselves. Well, guess what? Here comes a punch in your face. And uh, I was happy to play that role. And all these years later, after decades and decades of pediatric surgery, which really was the same thing, I consider trauma and disease the bullies of humanity. Um, well, here we are now, little podcast, The Jersey Alchemist, and we are going to do everything we can to uh, stick our leg out, trip the bully, and faceplant him or her, or them, or they, or its, or whatever you want to use as a pronoun. John, staying on the topic of uh, the government, how much money is spent, distributed throughout the world. I mean, and we touched on previous podcasts about taxes. So I don't want to go back to individual podcasts, but I was talking to a mayor, an ex-mayor of a small town in Jersey, and I'm not going to mention the town. And this was going back to the, in the 90s, okay? And it was a small town in, in New Jersey. I mean, there was one pizzeria, one baker, not some big metropolis by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And we just started talking one day, all right? And he was a, a two or three term mayor. And we started talking about taxes. And he told me that that small one horse town collected in the 90s, $34 million a year in taxes. That's one small town. Property taxes? Uh, property taxes, correct. I mean- $34 million. $34 million. I mean, there was some industry, there was a, a, some highway, uh, that probably paid a, a lot of money, but $34 million. Now, if that's possible, you know, graduate up to bigger cities, how much do they pay? Oh, my God. It's the state of New Jersey. I mean, just think how much money is collected every year by the government. I mean, do we have a, a, a number on that? Do you remember uh, Jim Gerhart in the morning, 101.5? Did you ever listen to them? I listened to them. For years and years and years on the, on the way there, he was the early morning talk show host. Jersey Radio. Yeah, uh, right. That's right. New Jersey 101.5. Ding. And um, Jim was fabulous. And he used to refer to the monies that came in, a la the tax structure, as the public trough, the feeding trough. And that the politicians were the hogs, the filthy hogs that came in. <laughs> just gobbled up our money. You think that your tax money is going to, you know, worthy um, agencies? Some of it is, some of it. Apparently 75% of it is just being completely misappropriated hmm. while we're being distracted. Yeah, I mean, there was a uh, recent, uh, the, the new mayor of New York City, they had caught him on video uh, not only using the a, new guy, the new guy, not not going to mention his not, name, no, not de Blasio. No, not the new, de Blasio. I don't even know the new guy's name. Yeah. And not only did he talk about use a racial slur in the beginning of that video as he was campaigning, but he said, he did? oh, yeah, um, but he, he uh, admitted on tape that whatever comes in for this development uh, that he was pushing for this legislation and he did it with his hand. 30% is going to come off the top, and that we're going to take that and redistribute it. 30%. Now, I mean, is that how they do business? They take, no matter if somebody gets funded, you know, X amount of dollars, 
30% gets taken out and distributed, or I don't know. Well, you know, that's just... That, uh, I mean, he like, said it on film, and nobody I am, questioned him. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that. I'll have to take a look at it. But, you know, and I am certainly no politician, ever. Never, ever. You're I too honest, John. No. Well, and I'm also quick with an F-bomb. Mm. And I like to tell people what I think of them. Mm. So mm. that's... <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't make a good politician at all. But uh, t telling people... On a, on a broadcast, on on a. Uh, I'm not sure if he knew he was being recorded. You know, with cell phones out there nowadays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still, but the you know what? If you got something to hide, then you better shut up, right? Yeah. yeah. So if he says we're going to take 30% off the top and redistribute it, does that mean he's going to redistribute it to the people? Mm. Because if that's the case, he's bribing people to vote his party. He's going to take 30% of everybody's tax dollars and then issue it out. I don't know. I don't trust any of them. No, John. I think that's why more and more people uh, from the private sector are getting involved in politics. I mean, God bless them because they're going to be skewered, uh, examined. Hope they didn't tweet anything nasty 17 years ago, uh, you know, because they're going to be uh, in a lot of trouble. It could ruin their candidacy. But they are pushing. There are outside people uh, coming in that aren't career politicians. Now, I'm a big fan of term limits. Bones, what do you think? Could you have been a politician? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, what, what do you dress as today? Right? I mean, blue jacket. Well, politicians wear gray jackets, don't they? A lot Not of blue gray, jackets, yeah. bow tie. Yeah. Red, white, and blue bow tie. Yeah. What's your right hand? Is your right hand supposed to be inside your jacket? What are you High-level Freemason today? Is that what you are? Yeah. You are? You are. Okay. He could be doing the Pledge of Allegiance in his head over and over again. He could be. He could Which, be. I don't know. Were we saying that in schools anymore? Or is that I don't life? know. I don't know. One nation under God. Yeah. Right? I don't know, Bones. Things are getting kind of rough. <laughs> I got to tell you. So, if the politicians aren't making the headway, John, you know, where's the where's the... You know, the light to dark, dark to light. I mean, what's the, what's the answer? Well, there's there's none for them. There's none. They have, they, they, yeah, I mean, that concept, if they've considered it, is nothing more than uh, a joker's fairy tale. You know, and that's where the whole forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Um, they're no better than the money changers, mm. right? No better than the money changers. Now, Jesus forgave them. But he wasn't beyond getting pissed off, right? What did he do? What did he do when he was at the temple in Jerusalem? They saw that they turned the outer courts of the of the, uh, the hallowed temple in Jerusalem into a uh, basically a stock exchange, a money changing institution. He turned over the tables, threw their money onto the ground. Yeah, he sure did. So, um, I, you know, once again, you know, uh, the only way that we're going to win here. The only way that we are going to literally bring peace and happiness and love and light to this realm is through earnest prayer. And you don't have to, you don't have to go to a house of worship. If that's where you're most comfortable, then by all means, that's what you're going to do. You don't have to be on a kneeler up by the front lighting candles. You don't have to be flogging yourself somewhere in the back. No, 
you know, go to your bedroom, shut the door, calm your, your, your monkey chatter brain, and talk to God. Say, let's turn this around and be positive, be positive about it. You know, we shovel lots of crap, you know, on this podcast, and you know, it's all meant to be kind of a mix of fun, a bit of angst, a little bit of anxiety, you know, it's like a stew, right? But we got to bring it back around and... Again, you know, that's why Archangel Michael is right here. Um, and then, of course, you really need to learn how to meditate. If you learned how to meditate, that's that next step beyond prayer. And you can pray while you're meditating, right? But when you meditate, you clear your mind and you clear your energy and your energy elevates and elevates and elevates. And anything that you don't want into your heart and your mind, your consciousness, you just keep pushing it away. And you can use your imagination. So if you have a whole load of crap, literally, metaphorically, in your mind, open up a door, a secret door. And in that door, it's a big, big, larger-than-life toilet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And empty all the crap that's in your day, that's in your head, that's in your heart, that's in your mind. Dump it right into the toilet. And then <laughs> hit the lever. Flush it. And when it's gone, it's gone. Take three breaths, in through your nose, out through your mouth, in through your nose, out through your mouth. The third one, all the way up, in through your nose, out through your mouth. And that should help you calm your monkey chatter brain. And this is where your imagination comes in. Just sit, just sit. And then feel yourself slowly getting lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter until you start to lift off of whatever you're sitting on, your couch, your floor, the bed, <laughs> your toilet, and you're floating up and you're floating up and now you're coming up to the ceiling. And oh my gosh, the ceiling doesn't hinder you and you just go right up through the ceiling, up into the sky. And if it's at night, just keep floating. Just let yourself go like a hot air balloon with nobody tending to the direction. Up, 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 up you go. Now you're looking down upon your neighborhood. Now you're not even sure where your house is. And the further you go, the further objects on the ground appear. And then you look, you look upwards toward the heavens and it's just peaceful, cool, dark, blue, black, nothingness and now you're going beyond the atmosphere into outer space and now when you're all the way up there way above the earth's atmosphere now you're sailing faster than you can imagine there's nothing like wind resistance your energy your pure energy and you're just speeding along kind of like when the enterprise goes into warp speed and all you see are stars just flying by you. And then you look and gaze out into the distance ahead of you and you see one star that catches your eye. And that star is your destiny. You don't know its name, but it catches your eye. You focus on that one star. And the other ones just kind of disappear out of your field of vision. And as you speed thousands and thousands and thousands of miles per second, the star 
is getting larger and larger and larger and larger. And actually, it's so bright. And now you find yourself on a descent to the atmosphere of that star. And as you get closer and closer and closer and closer, you realize you're actually going to a realm where you're actually going to visit. Yeah, you did that by your consciousness. You did this by your frequency. And as you're coming in for a landing, you see a huge cathedral. And it looks like it's made of marble and it's sparkling. And you gently touch down right at the front of this magnificent cathedral. And you notice that there are two huge doors on the outside of this cathedral, maybe about 30 feet high. And there's an angel standing, one on each door. They were expecting you. They knew you were coming. They know who you are. They know everything about you. They look at you and greet you telepathically and they nod their head. You nod your head. And as you walk up the steps, they open the doors and you walk into a beautiful vestibule with a mosaic tile floor flooring. You step into the actual worship room, this cathedral itself, and it's surrounded by beautiful pillars. And you notice that there are people that are standing in front of each pillar on this circle, right? And there's a center aisle that's polished marble all the way down in front of you is a throne and you expect that there's a person that's going to be sitting on this throne but there's a bright ball of light almost so bright almost so light that you can't look at it and the light beckons you forward you're a little bit intimidated you keep walking straight down the center aisle and as you get closer you look and there's a big puffy meditation pillow on the floor just for you. And the light says to you, please sit. And you sit and you're in awe. The light says, I know you and you know me. And I know every reason why you came. And so do the people that surround you. And you look around you realize that you know some of the people and others you do not know. Some haven't passed from the earthly plane yet and others have passed quite a long time ago and some recently. The light runs through every one of your problems and issues and immediately you start to feel lighter and lighter and lighter. And then the light gestures for you to rise and to your left is a giant green crystal. It's a giant emerald crystal that you can see through and it's about seven feet high. And the light beckons you to just approach the crystal, put your hands on the crystal. And as you do that, your hands fall into the crystal. And the light beckons you to step into the crystal. Just immerse yourself into the crystal. Let it surround you. This green emerald-like crystal is the ultimate expression of the heart chakra. And it's vibrating with the frequency of the heart chakra, of love. And it starts to erase all of your problems and all of the negativity that you brought with you. 
from your mundane life in the third dimension. And you look to your right, and the light nods to you and smiles. And then you find yourself back in your bedroom on Earth in the third dimension. And you can't believe where you just went. And it seems like you were gone for an hour, but you looked at your clock before you started meditating, and it was only 10 minutes. There's no time passage in other dimensions, just the third dimension. We live in a, what I would call a twisted time-space continuum. So people, that's just a little glimpse of how meditation can work. Again, I've said this before, the key is to use your intent and your imagination, create where you want to go. No one's gonna create it for you. You are your own creator. And then use the rocket fuel that God gave you, and that is your emotion to get you there. Try, it works. It Just as a point of perspective, it took me months to reach that point. Anyway. That was some journey. Yeah, just a little wow. just, just a little glimpse into where you can go. You don't have to go to a far-off star. You don't. You don't have to find yourself in a cathedral. No, you could be on a beautiful tropical beach or up in the mountains underneath a big spruce tree. Anywhere that you find your peace is where you can go and um, communicate, present yourself to your creator. John, how long did it take you uh, to really strengthen and develop your meditation skills to that point? I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, I assume. Um, it took me about four or five months. Okay. Right, and I... and I Daily? or Every night, every night starting at a, a, around 11 o'clock p.m., I would go up to my bedroom, I have a meditation table with crystals and a white candle and a, and a chair, a recliner chair. Just happened to be a recliner. And, um, and I, would, I would do that, I would do that. And, and for months I was frustrated because first I was able to see plasma energy, different color plasma energy. And then uh, after I got good and frustrated, and then I was told, hey, would you please use your imagination It's your God-given creativity? And I think you heard me say it before. I said, oh, that's cheating. That's cheating. That, you know why? You know, you're not supposed to make this up. And what came back to me was, what makes you think that your creativity is cheating? Remember, see, you're still brainwashed. You don't think you're your own creator, but you are. Right. So nobody from any major television network is going to create your reality or your happiness. Nobody from a cable news network is going to create your reality and your happiness. No, no, uh, no religious leader is going to create your happiness. It's you, my friends. It's you. You're the one. It's in your hands. It's in your heart. It's in your consciousness. So that's what you have to do. Now, after months of frustration, when I first started seeing different color plasma energies, it was just a, it was a knockout. Wow, it was a showstopper. But after a month of that, it got to be like, okay, come on, there's gotta be something more than this. And so when I started to use the, 
creativity that the creator imbued into me, all of a sudden, here's, here's the first thing that happened to me that just rocked my world. It was right at the end of a session. You know, I was up far too many hours in that day. I had to get up at 5.15 the next day, and now it's about midnight, and I'm just bleary-eyed. And I gave it one last attempt, and I put my head back on the recliner. I'm staring up into the ceiling in front of me and above me, and all of a sudden, the ceiling disappeared. And I was staring out into outer space. And all of a sudden, I realized that it was completely three-dimensional and endless. And then I saw two little white shiny objects that looked like a good and plenty or like a tic-tac. And they were just sitting there. And I felt like I could reach out and touch them. And then all of a sudden, my entire room shook like there was an earthquake for just like two seconds. And it, it felt like somebody had turned on a massively huge electrical item, like, um, I don't know, like, like a big, huge industrial HVAC system. Boom! The whole room shook with the sound and everything. And when that happened, those two items spun. They spun in super, super speed, like, boom! And after they spun, there were four. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God. And then wham, there was a concussion again, full with the sound and the vibration, everything. And four went to eight and eight to 16, to 32, to 64, on and on and on and on and on until, until outer space in a three-dimensional fashion was multiplying faster than I could keep up with. And then there were hundreds of thousands there were millions and millions of these little tiny lights sparkling and spinning and multiplying and filling outer space and i was completely dumbfounded wow and then i just came out of it and of course was still in my room i wasn't asleep the next day i asked my friend and spiritual mentor what was that all about? How did that happen? And she said, understand something. You're here for a reason. We're all here for a reason. You are here to affect positively millions and millions of people, one way or another. Just each one of those little bright lights that spun was an individual soul that they're just filling the universe. And that's repeated again and again and again all over the universe. And I never forgot that. And that was the first, the first way I broke into uh, meditation where another dimension was autonomously acting for me beyond the colorful plasma energy. And that's about it. That's amazing. John, now we talked about, you talked about meditation at the end of a day relieve stress, etc. Can you meditate in the morning? I mean, is morning meditation just as good as... Yeah. Yeah. Sure it is. I mean, that's a great way to start your day. It's a great way to start your day. Um, as a matter of fact, 
I meditated just this morning while I was lying in bed. Um, but, you know, I knew that I didn't have to be anywhere in particular for at least a couple of hours. Mm. Um, you know, meditating for a newbie, when you only have 15 minutes and you gotta, you know, go, 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 and you're, you're checking your check boxes, you can do it. God bless you could do it, but it might, it might be a little bit more difficult uh, for me. That would be, I would feel the pressure of the day bearing down on me. So it was easier for me, regardless of how tired I was, that at the end of the night, at least I felt a little bit protected that I could kind of take an hour or so to do this. Calming yourself down and de-stressing like that, it's kind of be great for not only your mental health, John, physically, yeah. high blood pressure, you know, that anxiety somebody has, it has to be a... a almost a medical tool. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I, I think mean, so. yeah. did any of your patients or, you know, did you um, talk about meditation with anybody? I did. Yeah. I did. I, you know, we only had so much time allotted. If I had to see, if I had to see 15, 16, 17, 18 kids in an office session, and then maybe I had an add-on operation to do, you know, after that and I had to run down to the OR, you know, my nurse navigator used to, you know, look at her watch you know, as if to say, come on, here he goes again. And she was kind of sick of my, playfully sick of my story. She heard them over and over and over again. But when I knew that, you know, people had not heard some of the stories, um, how could I not? You know, but uh, it's, it's um, you got to know who you're talking to. Other, You know, there are people who are receptive, and I always knew it just through my, my intuition. And then other people are are not into it. John, even though it's we're using our own brain and our own physical state and mental state of mind, is meditation a solo sport? Like, do couples, is it good for them to meditate together? Could it be a group setting, maybe five or six people in a room trying to create that, that energy? Does that ever happen? Uh, or is well, it just strictly yourself? No, I, I, think, I think that there's a... Um, there's a fine line between, I do mean there's a fine line between meditating and being past life regressed. I think one way or another, you're, you're either tapping into something that happened in another time, another place, or you're going somewhere in another dimension one way or another. And uh, I can remember being at a, uh, a weekend workshop seminar where uh, a popular past life regressionist um, had 400 of us in an auditorium, you know, and kind of hypnotized us and then said, when we're done with this, I'll wake you all up and you're going to tell us what kind of, where did you travel to, what kind of experience. And uh, this took about 20 or 30 minutes. And then when he kind of brought everybody back into the present moment, he said, I, is everybody awake? Okay, good. Nobody fell asleep directly, you know, that kind of thing. And then he said, look, he goes, let me see a show of hands for all the people who absolutely went nowhere. And out of 400 people, I think there were 10 people who felt like they had gone nowhere. Wow. And that's okay. But that's a pretty impressive number. That's real impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So it, if I think there's a fine line between past life regression and meditation. I do. It's Explain a, past life regression well I'm no expert in that and I don't I'm not a past life regressionist uh, 
Dr. Brian Weiss was the gentleman who did that. And he, uh, his, his book, Many Lives, Many Masters, kind of changed my life. Yeah, that book was given to me as a gift by my mother-in-law's girlfriend, you know, and she knew I was kind of a metaphysical, supernatural character. So she, uh, she bought me that book and wow, it really did change my life. Um, but if you, if you understand that we are reincarnated over and over and over again, and some of us have been around longer, and I say that kind of in a, uh, a loose way longer because longer kind of connotes linearity like this is the beginning and this is the end and this is the, the midpoint but some of us have had um, more lives than others and that's all there is to it and like I said before uh, we also can live simultaneous lives uh, a regressionist can get into your subconscious and have you tap into what I would call your Akashic Records. So if you've never heard that term before, Akashic Records, A-K-A-S-H-I-C, I think, Akashic Records. The Akashic Records are kind of a cosmic, universal library of everything, every bit of information that's happened. So. Lots of people say, hey, we're really living in a computer uh, simulation, you know, the matrix. Well, okay, let's say that that was true, right? I'm no computer guy, but that means then, therefore, probably somehow there's a binary code that's coding for everything that's ever happened within this computer matrix on a huge, massively huge mainframe. Well, if you could tap into that, you could tap into everything you've done going all the way back to all different programs that you were in, right? Different lifetimes. And um, that's, uh, that's what the Akashic Records are. And if you've lived over and over again, you could potentially recall, you could have recall to where you were before. And, um, you know, it's interesting because all of my life as John Gerard Gallucci, I've had an uncanny connection with certain ancient times. Ancient Egypt, ancient Greece. Oddly enough, uh, ancient Rome never really came up for me. Um, Southeast Asia slash India, absolutely. Mexico, absolutely. Areas like that. Um, in more modern times, Great Britain, circa World War One, and the United States, circa World War II. Um, but I had um, spent eight days in a spiritual healing workshop, and the master was fascinated by me and um, stopped me at the end of the course and said, you know, do you have any idea what empowers you? Um, now, to the average person on the street, what I'm about to say is going to sound like I have, you know, ideation of grandeur. I'm a little bit Looney Tune, whatnot. That's okay. You can think that. But you see, if we're eternal beings 
and we never, ever, ever perish. We never die. It's just the fleshy taxi cab or Uber that we're riding around in, right? It's our bodies of the temple for the Holy Spirit. You've heard that over and over and over again, but it's true, people, it's true. So um, if you, I see I got lost in my, in my sauce here. If you, um, if you understand, I got it. If you understand that we never die, then that stands to reason that you've got a lot in your past. You've got a lot of history. And when you go to somebody who could see into your history, because there are people who can do that. I'm not so great at seeing into other people's histories. My associate, who will be known as Swami, she's not here right now, but she can do that. She's been doing that since she's four years old. But the master at this, at this spiritual healing workshop made it very clear to me. He says, you've been around and around and around. He said, what empowers you is ancient Egypt. You're empowered by the spirit and the energy of ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. He says, and the saints. And I said, well, I've met several of the saints in meditation. And I've also come face to face with St. Jude, who in turn introduced me to Jesus Christ. He says, no, no, he goes, I know. He goes, you told me that story. He goes, yes, that's all great stuff. He said, but that's not what I'm talking about. He says, you're a channel. You're a channel for the saints. And I says, which ones? And he said, oh no. He said, all of them. And that kind of put me back on my heels because at that moment, I had no reason to doubt him, but I, um, I felt a little intimidated. Why? Because I had better start acting like it. You know? There's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of responsibility, but it went completely hand in hand. It, it melded perfectly with my role as a, as a pediatric and neonatal general and thoracic surgeon. Um, and um, now that this podcast is being produced, I'm going to do my best. I'm not a techie. I have a hard time with the computer stuff and the audio and the visual and all of that stuff. Um, but we'll get better and better as we go. But between the podcast and between the book, My Life with God, um, we'll get there. Get the we'll get there. And all of those people, all of those souls that were put in front of me, during that spectacular moment of, of meditative clarity, spinning and sparkling. My job is to reach all of those people in the third dimension, physically. Physically. That's a daunting task. But we're going to get it done. You always do. John, is there a place for, is there like room for God in meditation? Yeah, well, but to me, that's what it's all about. That's where it starts. Yeah, right. And and I think the, uh, the trip up or the hook up for a lot of people is that a lot of us have been 
indoctrinated into thinking that, you know, and even I, when I meditate, I go up into the quote, the metaphorical heavens, right? With, you know, the creator light on a, on a big throne, you know, in a throne room. That's what that's, I was looking for the words, you know, because I've told that story many times. It was the throne room. That's where we were in that cathedral. God is out there. God is here, there, everywhere. God is the expansive, loving, creative force of the universe. That is the creator. That's why the universe exists. And there's really good evidence that the universe never ceases to expand. Now, we've said this before, but fear is not expansive. Fear is not loving. No. Fear is not growing and productive and creative. Oh, no, 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 no. Fear is cringing and contracting and defensive and huddling. That's what fear is. So if love, if God is love, fear is the opposite of love. It's not hate. Hate is a byproduct of fear. Everything is a byproduct that's bad. Everything that is bad is a byproduct of fear. What comes from fear? So you guys can see the mirror behind me. See that there's these, these spokes, these rays coming out of the mirror. Well, if the center was fear, there's trauma, there's sickness, there's disease, there's theft, there's infidelity, there's, there's disease, there's, there's lying, there's cheating, there's politics. There's on and on and on and on and on. And, um, and each one of us has been imbued with the light side and the dark side. We all have the dark side, which is seated somewhere in the ego. I don't believe it's purely our consciousness, it's the ego, right? And um, we need the ego for this fear-based world, because it is a fear-based world, make no mistake about that. And it's constantly fighting with our God center, again, housed in the Merkaba. And if it sounds like, oh, there he goes again about the Merkaba, I got news for you. I said it before, look it up. It's spectacular. It exists. Get to know where your God center is. The God center is here. It's there. It's everywhere. But when you talk to God, you got to go inside too, right? So the kingdom of God is within you. And it's out there and it's in here. So you have to create your world. And in the words of Tony Murray, Dr. Tony Murray, one of my mentors, when I asked him where was God when my sister was dying, he put his finger on my heart and he said, John, it's right here, John. That's the way he used to talk. John, God is right here. It's in God is in your heart. And he was right. He was absolutely right. So please remember that. Remember who you are. Well said, John. Uh, John, when we have that term that we always say, if we see somebody who's troubled, maybe it's somebody uh, on the street or just somebody we know is struggling through life, there's that term, he or she is a lost soul. I mean, there's no doubt that if somehow that lost soul would just open up and get the spirit uh, of, of God and, and do a little something inside that there's no doubt they would turn their life around. Right. Now that reminds me of a little video clip. Um, 
what's that the company that shows kind of a heartwarming rescue clips of lost injured animals the dodo i think it's the I dodo i think that's what it is the d-o-d-o the, the dodo it's really sad though well i was going to bed last night you know and oh, and there was there was a woman in a car and she was kind of out somewhere on a rural road and she stops she's immediately started filming and she opens the door and there's this little tiny dog that is like scuttling down this dirt road toward her and it's screaming it's going you know and she opens the door and it approached her and she kind of went down on her knee and the dog was just ready i think to give up its ghost if it could the dog was starved the dog was emaciated the dog was terrified the dog was wagging its tail at the same time that it was screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming please help me please help me i can't negotiate the third dimension well enough to stay here and she it kind of crawled toward her front tire and she put her hand out and slowly slowly but surely she reached out and the dog realized i'll let her get a little closer the dog absolutely felt her energy because dogs feel your energy and she started to kind of pet it under its chin scratch its chin before you know it she tried to pick it up the dog started to scream not sure what was going to happen and then she brought it into the car and she's petting it and she's kissing it and she's hugging it and that dog was getting a big fat dose of of love of, of loving energy and of course she saved the dog's life people are no different than that you know and that goes right back to all of the sentient beings on this planet are all our brothers and sisters so for the sentient beings that are defined by the system of duality that we live in, right? Male, female, left, right, up, down, hot, cold, good, bad. It's physical duality and it's spiritual duality. Um, you might say that they are our brothers and sisters. Okay? And the ones that want to be non-binary, they are our familial sentient beings. How's that for, for a, a collective pronoun? There are familial sentient beings. But that being said, here's one for you. Inanimate objects and plants and trees and bodies of water and boulders, yeah, and mountain ranges and oceans have a, their own consciousness. And I was also privileged to have direct communication with a tree in the forest. Yeah, in the mountains outside Casadaga, New York, up past Buffalo. And if you think that's bullshit, it's not. It's not. It's written in the chapter called Yelena in a book called My Life with God. Right there, right there. It's one of the most spectacular, supernatural chapters in the book, and the whole book is supernatural, and all of it happened. So if you think about the fact that everything in God's universe has a consciousness. It holds, it holds energy, it holds information. So look, if you think I'm blowing smoke at you, 
that crystals have a consciousness. They do. They're apparently what's called first density or first dimension. And crystals hold energy, and energy is information. Yeah. So if that weren't true, why would the electronics industry use billions of quartz crystals? Because they hold energy, and they hold information. Right. Anyway, you're not alone, people. God bless. You're not alone. Remember who you are, your brothers and sisters, and your... <laughs> What did I say? Your, your non-binary elemental collective family is all around you. You're connected to all of it. So please don't ever feel alone. God bless. Are we uh, ready to? Great show. We're clocking out. So um, see you soon again on the Jersey Alchemist. Remember, we always got to bring it around to remind you who you are, to remind you that the creator is watching and waiting for the creator within you to start creating. God bless. See you soon. Great job. If you like what we're doing, press the like button and subscribe. And uh, Bones, you did pretty good. Not bad. Hmm. What did it say, John? This is clocked out. Oh, yeah, 29 minutes. I, I heard it. I heard this one, too.